So when we look at the Word of God and sitting in this room this morning, there are different degrees and levels of faith. And wherever your faith is, and you need sometimes just to put your faith on the radar and see where it, where it comes up to. And you know, the thing that we learn as it regards faith is that the Bible says that He tries our faith. Anybody here ever had your faith tried? Well, if you haven't, you just keep on living. And I promise you that you will come to a time when your faith will be put to the test. The Bible says the trying of your faith. And Paul says that we should not think that it is strange, the trying of our faith. Because faith that has never been tried really is not faith. Faith is an action that when you are put to the test, you can endure the trials and the tests and you will come out on the other side victorious. Amen? Faith is the most powerful thing that you and I possess. Faith is the currency of heaven. It unlocks the door of heaven. It releases the promises and the blessings of God in our life. Paul writes in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and I'm not going to preach particularly on this verse, but I want, I want you to get this in spirit. And I, I know we're living in a time when the world uh, looks at the church and they laugh and they mock and they make fun and they ridicule people who claim to be people of faith. But the Bible says we do not live by sight. We do not walk by natural sight or natural perspectives of things. But we walk by faith. Somebody shout faith. Now if you're going to sit there and be quiet, we're going to have school this morning. I'm telling you, in the church, in the life of believers, it is, it is essential, it is absolutely necessary that we demonstrate faith. Now let me say this, your faith has to be in an object or in something. Now what you put your faith in determines the outcome. And that's why the Word of God says that we should have faith in God. Amen. And I believe that when we learn that, but I want to give you this, this scripture, and I want you to somewhere to write, highlight, underline this in your Bible, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your front door, tell your neighbor, tell somebody that you are a person of faith. And the reason I want you to do this is because that the Bible says in the 6th verse of the 11th chapter, but without faith. Somebody say, without faith. Everybody say, without faith. The Bible says without this element, without this ingredient, you cannot absolutely impossible please God. So that tells me that if I don't have faith, I cannot please God. If I do not demonstrate the trust and the reliability and the confidence in God, in His ability, in His, in his capability, guess what? Then I can't please Him. So if that is the truth, then the Bible teaches me that if I do have faith in God, He is well pleased in what I do. Come on, help me out in this church. And I went to a revival the other night, and I was listening, and, and I couldn't hear real well because they didn't have a, a, a microphone. And, and I saw a lot of emotion. And I saw it a lot, and, and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I think, I think people of faith ought to be rejoicing this morning. 
Come on, you ought to be rejoicing. If you don't rejoice over anything else, you rejoice over the fact that Paul said that he put him to an open display. Your adversary, the one that opposes you, Jesus Christ, put him at an open display. And if you don't have anything else to get excited about this morning, you ought to be able to get excited about the faith that you have put in Jesus Christ and in his ability to take away your sin. Come on, somebody ought to get happy. Have I got any saved people in this Pentecostal church this morning? Have I got anybody that knows that one day you had to put your faith in Jesus Christ and the Bible said he removed your transgression and he took them as far as the east is from the west and guess what? At judgment he is not going to go back and dig up those old sins. The Bible says he has forgot them. They are gone into the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered against you anymore amen but Paul writes in the 11th chapter of the 6th verse and he says listen without faith without faith and I want to drive that home this morning if you're here sitting and say well I don't know I can't believe all you got to do is go read the book of James First chapter of the book of James and he says one that is without faith is like a ship without a rudder we are driven to and fro. We are tossed to and fro. We, we are just, we're out of control in our life. But James says if we're unstable in our relationship, if we do not have the confidence in God, and when we are going through a storm to believe that God will bring us out of it, he said, guess what? That we should not think that we would receive anything of the Lord. Are you with me? So faith is a powerful thing. And you need to write this down somewhere in the, in, in, where it can be visibly uh, seen and you can read it almost on a daily basis. Because he says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek his name. How many of you know that God will hear your cry? We've been talking about that. We've been singing about that all morning. Have you noticed the songs and, and the prayer and the words that even Brother Rich mentioned a few moments ago is dealing with this simple fact that we must cry out unto God with an assurance that God hears and that God answers and that God will come and meet us at the greatest point of our need. Amen. So when I read Paul's writing to, uh, to the church and, and, and in the book of Hebrews. I'm reminded in the 11th chapter, and we talked last week about Noah, how Noah believed God. And I'm just doing a, 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 resum, a, a summary of what we talked about last week. Noah was a man of righteousness. He lived in a perverse society. There was evil all around him. The Bible even says, and Jesus told his disciples, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the day of the coming of the Son of Man. And he says they were eating, they were drinking, they were giving in marriage, and they were being married. They were just living the highlight and doing everything that they wanted to do. Reminded me of the phrase that we have heard in our society for years, if it feels good, just do it. And the Bible says as it was in the days of Noah. But I'm also going to remind you that in the day of Noah, there was some righteous people. And you know who they were? They were Noah and his sons and his sons' wives. 
There were eight people that entered into the ark. But needless, I'm not, I'm not focusing on. Here's what I want you to get. Noah had faith in God. Do you know what God told Noah? He told Noah one day, he said, Noah, I have seen the wickedness and the evil and the perverseness of the human race has come up before me. Amen. How many of you know that God knows everything that's going on in the earth today? There ain't nothing this morning. There ain't nothing this morning that caught God by surprise. God knows. He is all-knowing. Amen. But he said, this has come up before me. And he told Noah, he said, I am going to judge them. And he said, I'm going to spare you and your family. So I want you to build an ark for the saving of your household. For 120 years, Noah worked on building the ark. Why would he have done that? Have you ever wondered why a man of righteousness would have spent 120? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It wasn't an easy task. I, I, I don't know. Blaine, after church Sunday morning, told me, he said, Pastor, on Saturday, he and his family were in Kentucky, and they went and saw that replica of the ark that had been built. He said, it is a mammoth, huge, huge thing. So to build something like that, even in our modern society, is not an easy task. Over $100 million, that's pretty challenging to me. Amen? So you know it had to be as, as equally challenged or even more challenging to Noah to build this huge ark. But Noah believed that God was going to send rain. You see, that's what faith does. Faith hears. Faith receives and then faith don't try to analyze it and say, well, it ain't never happened before and it, it's just everybody's going to laugh at me and everybody's going to mock at me. Everybody's going to blah, blah, you know, and on and on and on and on and on and on and go. Faith doesn't do that. Faith takes God at his word. And faith is an action. Faith, look at your neighbor and say, faith is an action. You see, I don't know what we expect faith to be. For Paul writes in the 11th chapter in the first verse, he says, For faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things yet not seen. Faith is an action. You know what that action is? It is complete and total confidence in the ability and the, and the capability of the God whom we serve. Amen? I'm going to tell you something. You serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. The Bible said that in him there is nothing impossible to them that do what? Believe. That word believe means to have complete and total confidence, complete and total trust in whatever I'm asking God for. As long as it is according and in accordance with God's will, he says you shall have whatsoever you ask. And I'm going to tell you something. You better take that at heart when it says if it's in God's will. Because I've seen people pray for things that were totally out of God's will for their life. And you know what that does? It brings complete and total chaos. I'm going to tell you, there is a permissive will. How many of you know that? How many of you know there is a permissive will of God? In other words, God will let you go on. And God will allow you to, to prosper to a certain level and, and to benefit to a certain level. But I'm going to tell you, you don't want to live just in the permissive will of God. You want to get in the perfect will of God. How many of you know there is a perfect will of God for your life? 
And when you get in God's perfect will, the Bible says that he will open the windows of heaven and he will pour out blessings in your life that you do not even have room enough to receive it. Amen. You know what the difference is? You cannot be out of the will of God and God bless you in the measure that he wants to bless you. You got to be walking with him, not walking away from him. Now, I want to deal real quick for just a few moments, if you will. I want you to go in your Bible to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, the 22nd chapter. There's an interesting story there. And in fact, it is carried forth in the, Hebrew, in, in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, which we, we know as, as the, 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 the book of faith. And I want to deal for just a moment concerning an individual by the name of Abraham. How many have ever heard about Abraham? The Bible said that Abraham was the father of the faithful. And Abraham, we know, if you go back and read in the 22nd and 23rd verses or books of the book of Genesis, you will find out that Abraham was living in the air of the Chaldees. And the Lord came to Abraham and he spoke to Abraham. His name at that time was not Abraham. What was his name? Abram. And God spoke to him and gave him an instruction and said, Abram, I want you to get you and your family and gather all of your stuff together and I want you to leave this heir of the Chaldees. Now I got to tell you something, the heir of the Chaldees. It was a good, comfortable place for Abram and his family. It was a prosperous place. But God had something so much better for Abram and his family. How many of you know that oftentimes where you are, God has something better for you than where you are. So in order to get to where God wants you to be and ever how God can bless you, you've got to be willing to hear the instruction of the Lord, obey the instruction of the Lord, and then carry through. That is the action of faith. The Bible says to just to be hearers of the word and not doers of the word is sin. Come on. Amen. We are not to be just hearers of the word, but we are to put forth an action. That's why the Bible says, if any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let the elders anoint them with oil and pray over them. And you know what he says? And the prayer of faith will raise them up and will heal them and will literally forgive any sin in their life. Aren't you glad for faith tonight or today? So Abraham obeyed God, left the heir of the Chaldees with his family, and went on a journey that he did not know where he was going. That's faith. Somebody said, that's blind faith. No, that's not blind faith. That is just simple faith. He heard God, he believed God, he obeyed God, and he followed God. And, and we know that God had promised Abraham and Sarah that he was going to give him a promised child. The promised child was the name of Isaac. And we know the story of Abraham and Sarah, how they grew old in age, beyond childbearing age. Abraham being 100 and Sarah being 90, and her womb had dried up and she could not conceive and bring forth another child. But yet God had made him a promise, and the Bible said that Abraham did not count slack what God had promised him. Let me tell you something. Let me just stop right here and insert this. If God promised you something, though it may be years coming, let me tell you something. You hold on to what God promised you. 
Come on, I'm telling you, you think, well, it should have happened last year or it should have happened five years ago. Let me tell you something. You hold on, Paul, because he that promised is faithful to do that which he has said. I'm looking at people this morning that think, what's this preacher talking about? I'm talking about come, becoming people of strong faith. Are you here? And the Bible said, you know the story, how Sarah went to Abraham and said, Abraham, why don't you go into Hagar and you all have a child? And he did that. But there came a day, and I'm going to fast forward to the 24th chapter of the, uh, of the or I'm sorry, the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And here, now I want you to watch this. And what I want to talk about for just a few moments this morning is the sacrifice of faith. The sacrifice of faith. And God spoke to Abraham. Isaac now has been born. He is the child of promise. And listen to what he says. He said, I want you to take thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. You need to underline that. Because there was a relationship that Abraham had with Isaac that was not there with the same son that he had by Hagar. Because Isaac was the child of promise. And listen to what he says. And I want you to take him unto the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell you of when you get there. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his asses and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood and the burnt offerings and rose up and went up to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, You abide here with the asses and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and we will come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offerings and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hands and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So that they went both together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in the order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram was caught in a thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for the burnt offerings in the, instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. I want to look at this for just a moment because knowing the history as it regards Abraham and Sarah and the promise of God. Listen, the Bible says that God's promises are yes and amen. 
There's over 3,200 promises in the Word of God pertaining or available to you and I as believers of God. But the history of Abraham and Sarah, how they waited for so long for God to come through on His promises. The Bible says, if we do not grow weary in well-doing, if we will maintain the consistency of our faith, the Bible says, if we will not grow weary, we will reap in due season. Are you with me this morning, church? I know the, 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 the attempt and the effort of the adversary is to get us to become weary in our walk and in our faith towards God. But the Bible teaches us that we need to fight the good fight of faith. Paul writes about it in the Second Timothy, in the book of Second Timothy. He said, fight the good fight of faith. It is so important this morning that we understand that we must hold on to our faith. There are going to be trials and there are going to be tests and there are going to be moments of uncertainties in our life. But we must not, we cannot give up on our faith. If you give up on your faith, you're going to go back into your old lifestyle. You're going to go back doing the same old things and living the same old way. And you're going to lose out and you're going to lose your relationship with God. But I want to tell you something this morning. He that promised is faithful. He will do that that he has said. I'm preaching better than you're amening, but I want you to look at this for a moment. And I'm sure that in Abraham's mind, just like in our mind, we often question, God, you promised this child. You promised me. You made this promise to me. And now you are asking me to sacrifice the thing that I love, the thing that is dear, the thing that you said by, the, by my seed, the promise is going to bring or come into fruition. But now you are putting a strong demand upon my faith. How many of you believe that those thoughts went through Abraham's mind? Let me tell you, Abraham was a man just like we are. And I'm telling you, there are times in our life when we are reading the Word and we're looking at the promises of God and we know that they are to the believer, but then we are always in question as, why God? Why? Why is it taking so long? And if it does come to pass, it's all, almost like the moment that it comes to pass, God says, okay, now that you got it, you got to give it back. Have you ever had God to do that for you or do that to you? I have. Amen. But God spoke to Abraham and he said, here is the instruction, Abraham. Now here is the test that God puts before Abraham. How many of you know again, and I want you to get this inside of your spirit and get it inside of your mind. It, do not think it strange con concerning the, the fiery trials of your faith. Because I'm sure that in the mind of Abraham, he was really troubled over now this demand that God had placed upon him. Amen? So Abraham, in obedience to the word of God, did what? He said, now God, come here. Let's me and you talk. We, you know, th this promised child has come in, the, in, in, in the, the, the latter years of our life. And now you're wanting me to make a sacrifice. You're wanting me to give this promise back to you. But Abraham didn't do that. Or at least the Bible doesn't record that he did that. But the Bible does record that oh, Abraham heard the Lord and he put into action his faith. 
Now, you got to see something here. Because the Bible said that God spoke to Abraham and said, I want you to take Isaac, your only son, the son that you love, and I want you to take him to a place where I will tell you, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. The thing you must always remember is a sacrifice is not a sacrifice unless you feel the pain of it. Come on. You know, we do things in the church. We do things in our walk and our relationship. We think it's a sacrifice if we pray five minutes a week. Come on. But a sacrifice is not a sacrifice until it imposes upon you to the degree that you feel the hurt and you feel the pain of it. That's why the Bible speaks as it regards our giving sacrificially. Our giving until it goes beyond that point of reasoning. And we step over into the demand that God has placed upon our faith because what God was doing, he was not testing Abraham to prove his faith concerning his walk and his relationship with God. You want to know why? Because God knew Abraham's heart. The thing that God was doing was proving to Abraham that the faith that he had was strong enough to trust God no matter what God commanded or demanded of him to do. Have you ever been tested in your faith until it proves to you that your faith is strong? Oh, come on. Have you ever had your faith tested until it surprises you that you were able to make it through the storm? If you haven't never had a test like that, then I would still be concerned about my faith. But God was trying to prove to Abraham that what he had asked him to do, the thing that God had asked him to do was to give it all back. To give everything that he had promised Abraham in, in offering his son Isaac upon the altar would signify that Abraham was ready to give everything and to turn everything over to God. In our society, in our walk with faith, here's what we want to do. We want to hold on to certain things. Now, God, we'll let you have this because it really is not that important to me anything, anyway. But when God says, listen, I'm not content with just having things that are not important to you. I want you to give me everything that you've got. That's why Paul said that he commands us now that we are to place ourselves, our living bodies upon the altar, and we are to give our living bodies as a sacrifice unto our God. That's why, that's why in the church we are powerless instead of powerful. It's because we have not learned that we have turned it all over to God. And I ask myself, Brother Joe, why do we have a problem? Why do we struggle with turning everything, our families, our health, our finances, everything that exists and makes up this life. Why do we have a problem turning that over and trusting God with it? Now, we say we don't, but we do. We are not really sure that if we let go of it, that God will give it back. But you know what Jesus told his disciples? Jesus told his disciples that nobody 
nobody, shout nobody. Nobody means everybody. That nobody has forsaken anything in this life for the kingdom of God and for his sake that he will not give it back a hundredfold. Come on. I'm telling you, if you can get a hold of this faith principle, if you can get to the place to where you can believe God, you will not struggle with turning everything in your life over to him. But he told them, he said, listen, nobody has forsaken houses and land and mothers and sisters and brothers and all of these things, all of these earthly things for my kingdom and for my sake, but that I will not repay a hundredfold in this life and not only in this life, but in the life to come. That's the kind of God that we serve when we can get to the place to where we can trust him with everything in our life. That's what God was doing with Abraham. Abraham, can you trust God? Well, what's this? Because, and I'm hurrying, because the Bible says that Abraham got all the preparations, got the wood, the fire, the knife, the sun, loaded them up on his animals, and his servant and the son went on a journey, and they came to Mount Moriah. And there God said, I want you to offer him upon this mountain. Amen. And the Bible said that Abraham looked at the servants. And you would have thought now, you know, just Abraham's willingness to say, okay, Lord, we're going to make this journey would have been enough. But let me tell you something. Faith is not faith until it is a completed action. That's why you're not saved until you confess and believe. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he was crucified, that he was buried, and that he rose again, and he became the perpetuation for your sins. Faith simply means, now, have you ever seen people that they, 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 they want to get saved, and they'll come and they say, you know, they want to pray a silent prayer, and they don't want to tell anybody. I went to a church, a local church here, a big church, a big church in this area one time. Preacher got up and preached a sermon. And he said this, we don't embarrass people by calling them to the front. I'm going to tell you, we need to, we need to call people to the front. We need people to get to the altar because at the altar is where God receives your sacrifice. He said, we don't want to embarrass anybody. I thought, dear God, when I got saved, I wasn't embarrassed. I was happy. Amen. For some of you, it's just been too long. But the thing that he said was this. We don't embarrass anybody to come to the altar. All you have to do is just to pray a silent prayer. Your, confess your sin. But you know what the Bible says? There's a two-part. There's a two-fold part to being saved. You've got to repent. And then you've got to confess. Confession is not mental telepathy. It's not a thought process. I'm not ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. When I got saved, I wanted people to know I got saved. Because I wasn't the same old joker that I was before I got saved. How many can testify to that? So faith or sacrifice is never an action of faith until it is completely followed through. And Abraham took his son 
and the wood and everything to prepare and to build the altar and went to where God said, okay, here's where I want you to offer your son. You would have thought, well, just the action of the fact that Abraham was willing to go was enough. But it wasn't. Abraham had to go through the completed action of faith. You know what he did? Now, he demonstrated faith, Brother Butch, because he looked at the servants and he said, you stay here with the asses. The lad and I are going to worship and then we will come again. He was making a declaration of faith. You see, faith, part of a faith action is when you can come to the place in your spirit to where you can start saying, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. It will happen. And when you begin to decree and declare, the Bible said, decree a thing and it shall come to pass. In other words, speak it forth. Begin to declare it. For the Bible says, if you have, if you ask, you shall receive. You may not have it in your hand at the very moment, and you may not have it completed in your life at that very time, but if you have asked by faith and you are believing God and you are holding on to the promise, the Bible said you shall have whatsoever you say. And Abraham said, listen, we're going to go worship, but I have enough faith in God that even though if I put him to death, God has the power and God has the ability to raise him up. Amen. Why would God take out of Abraham's life the very thing that he promised and he said by this seed are the nations of the world going to be blessed? Are you with me, church? Are you understanding what I'm saying when we're talking about faith? We are treating faith as if though it is some, some powerless part of our relationship with God. Let me tell you something. Faith Faith, we need to have faith. We need to trust God. We need to declare the things of the Lord by faith. And the just shall live by faith. So they went to the top of the mountain and Abraham builds the altar and Abraham puts the wood upon the altar and Abraham binds Isaac and lays him upon the altar. He is completing the action of faith. He is willing to make the sacrifice that God has asked him to do. Do you know why people in the modern day church don't pray, don't read their Bible, don't come to church like they think they ought to come? It's because when you hear the word of God, God will put a demand upon your faith. And most time, people are not willing to meet those demands. Come on. They're not willing to make the sacrifice that it takes to see their life blessed and to see their life... Pro that is the folly of living in a nation where we are blessed. You say, well, preacher, I don't know what you're talking about. You read the story of, of the Jewish nation and the nation of Israel. Every time that God blessed them and every time that God prospered them as a people, they allowed themselves to fall into idolatry. Amen. They allowed themselves to get away from their relationship and their walk with their God. And they would always find themselves in bondage. Why? It's because they didn't do what God told them. God told them, he said, 
I've given you the Canaan. I've given you the land of Canaan. I've given you every piece of property that wheresoever the sole of your feet touch, it shall be yours. All you got to do is go and possess it. But it took it took a commitment. It took them to sacrifice some things in order to obtain the fullness and the blessings that God had made available and had provided for them. Now let me close. Come to Abraham puts his son upon the altar. I mean, you know, it's still not a completed action because his son just laying on the altar is not dead. The thing that God wants from every one of us is that we must die to self and be resurrected unto him. Amen? Here's the thing. Abraham drew back the knife to take Isaac's life because Abraham had come to the place to where he believed it was better to obey God than to offer a sacrifice of disobedience. He drew back that knife to kill his son but the one that he loved, the one whereby God had told him that all the promises were going to come into his life. How many of you know that God, that Abraham is still being blessed even today? Because every person that comes into the kingdom, the Bible said that they that are in Christ are the seed of Abraham. Can you envision him? The altar has been built. The wood is on the altar. The sun is laying on the altar, bound. And I could go into what all of that typifies. We know it's a shadow and a type of Christ coming and dying in the stead of humanity. But I love this. And when he gets ready to sacrifice his son, the angel from heaven cries out, Abraham, Abraham, do not do your son any harm. You see, we often have times giving God what he asks because we're not sure that God can provide. Anybody here other than me struggle with that? Preacher, you're a preacher. I don't care if I am. There are times in my life that I still struggle with whether or not God will provide. Amen. Not me. Well, I'm proud of you. But I'm just believing what the Bible says. Confession is good for the soul. You're better off sometimes to recognize your weaknesses and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you than you are to put on some type of facade and say, yeah, I'm a man of power and faith. But you know what? Abraham looked behind him. And I don't have time to go into all this, but what Abraham saw established the doctrine of substitutionary sacrifice. He found a ram that had been caught by his horns in the thicket. 
So Abraham let his son go, but he took that lamb, or that ram rather, and he offered it upon the altar for a burnt offering unto God.